0: letter 35 of the history of lady barton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by devora allen the history of lady barton by elizabeth griffith letter 35 miss cleveland to lady barton i have received your letter my louisa and i have also received your fair your lovely friend Mrs. Walter arrived in Dover Street last night. Prepared as I was by your description, the extreme delicacy of her form surpassed my imagination. I can scarcely persuade myself that she is compounded of the same materials of which common mortals are made. At least I am certain that there must be as much difference as there is between the clay of which the finest porcelain is formed and that which makes the coarsest earthenware. I am sorry to say the simile is strengthened by an appearance of extreme fragility and weakness— which alarms one's tenderness into a kind of apprehension for her safety every moment, and is, in my mind, infinitely more interesting than the most healthful glow of beauty in its highest bloom. I am sure if I were a man I should be in love with her, and of course miserable, for I could not help considering her but as a mere beauteous shadow, which a rough blast too quickly might dissolve. But though not a lover, I am determined to cherish this fair idea and for that purpose I shall take lodgings at Kensington Gravel Pits to-morrow for three weeks or a month, as I do not think the season far enough advanced to carry her to the Hot Wells, or venture her even so far as Cleveland Hall. There is, as you have already observed, something uncommonly engaging in her manner of speaking, but her sentiments need no addition. I never heard such warm yet elegant expressions of gratitude as she used in speaking of you. Her tears flowed fast while she uttered them the little Olivia took her hand and said, Mama, Lady Barton is so good that I know it would grieve her to think she made you weep, for I am sure she meant to dry your tears. But Mrs. Walter is at this moment writing to you. I will therefore leave her to express her own sentiments, which she will do much better than I can, because she feels more. I am charmed with your scheme of an English Protestant monastery— though I am much afraid that both you wrote and I read that passage in your letter, with too selfish feelings and reflections. The general idea of convents I am as much averse to as you are, and I am sure that none of those abroad would be a proper retreat for our fair client. The strictness of their institutions and the harshness of their discipline would soon dispatch her to the region of saints. Besides, such a place would be as unfit for one in her state of mind as well as of body." Need the already unhappy afflict themselves still further with austerities? There is a paragraph in your letter which gives me infinite concern. My dear Louisa must no longer boast a heart quite free from love. She is, I am afraid, a stricken dear. But I will hope that the wound is not mortal, and that it may yet be healed, though not without a cicatrice. Why, ask yourself, my sister, why all these apprehensions about Miss Ashford? Why is she to be married to Lord Lucan? merely because she came with him to visit you. And why should you suspect an amiable young woman of such mean malice as without provocation to attempt to render you ridiculous? These are not the genuine feelings of my Louise's heart. The stings of jealousy have instilled its venom, and this passion has but two sources—pride and love. I most sincerely wish that Lord Lucan and Miss Ashford were married, and that they were gone to his lordship's seat in the North, Or to any other point of the compass that may be most remote from the neighbourhood of Southfield. I cannot help trembling for your happiness, Louisa. I well know that I have nothing else to fear for, but is not that sufficient? I have with pain long beheld your growing partiality for his lordship, yet I hoped, against the conviction of my own heart, which still overflows with tenderness for an unworthy object, that you would be able to conquer it. But let me here observe, Louisa, that our situations are so widely different. That the weakness which may in mine not only be pardoned but pitied becomes criminal in yours. This you may possibly say is hard measure, but as we were none of us in a condition to make terms for ourselves before we came into the world, we must submit to those that this same world has imposed on us since. And believe me that they who struggle least against those chains which custom has forged for our sex are least likely to feel their weight. The world is jealous of its rights it haughtily resents and harshly chastises the smallest breach of them. Nor did I ever know a man or woman who boasted that they despised its laws, and trusted to their own integrity, who were not soon severely punished by its contempt or censure. So much by way of censor. Now let the friend and sister plead for the preservation of your peace, which cannot be maintained with loss of fame, though conscious innocence might plead your justification ever so strongly." Should your character happen to be impeached from any misconduct of yours, remember that your husband has a right to resent your having forfeited the highest trust which manly confidence can commit to female delicacy—the preservation both of his honor and her own. And that from that moment you must appear in the light of a criminal, towards him at least, though you stand ever so clear with regard to yourself. How truly humiliating must such a situation be to a mind like yours.' I have drawn this sad prospect in the strongest colours, in hopes that my Louisa will start from the brink of the precipice where she now stands, and instantly retreat into the gentle path of domestic happiness. I am truly grieved that the roughness of Sir William's manners may render this walk less smooth and pleasing than it should be. Yet surely it is easier to tread on pebbles than on thorns, and with the latter we shall certainly find those ways strewed that lead from the road which Providence has marked out for us. I should detest myself if I were able to add another line on this subject, yet I hope that my tears have not so much blotted what I have already written as to prevent your reading it. Mrs. Walter is determined to write to her husband, and I think her right in it, for some of the reasons given above, though heaven knows she owes him no compliment, nor scarcely duty. She shall not, however, if I can prevent it, write for some days, as it must hurry her poor weak spirits, which want much to be recruited.' I have not heard from my brother for some time. Adieu, my ever dear Louisa. F. Cleveland. End of letter 35.